From the great American Pacific Northwest, greetings and welcome, my friends, to this week's edition of the Parachronicle Almanac. I'm Jonathan Hawk. This week we'll hear about Lockheed Martin possibly having some sort of alien spacecraft fragments in their fantastically secretive little mitts. A famous haunted retail space has a new tenant. And the sky is falling! The sky is falling! Oh, oh no. Wait... That's just a large piece of rocket debris from the recent launch of China's new space station. That's all. We'll cover that and more coming right up. Now, before we get to the news, don't forget to like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our show. And we're always looking for stories from you, paranormal or otherwise. So give us a call on the Parachronicle hotline at 818-570-0126 if you'd like your story featured on a future episode. That's 818-570-0126. Save it to your contacts if you wouldn't mind. Or you can always email at hawk at theparachronicle.com. That's H-A-W-K-E at theparachronicle.com. And on that note, let's dive right in. Well, we start off this week with former Senator Harry Reid suggesting that the government has UFO fragments and that a well-known defense contractor may also be in possession. This from the Daily Wire. Former Nevada Senator Harry Reid told The New Yorker late last week that he believes government defense contractor Lockheed Martin is in possession of fragments of a crashed alien spacecraft salvaged from a wreck. Reid, who, as a senator, led the effort to bankroll a secretive Pentagon program charged with investigating reports of unidentified flying objects reported by military pilots, has been a vocal proponent of opening what he believes are secretive UFO files, including information he seems to believe has been covered up by government officials. In his interview with The New Yorker, Reed claimed Lockheed Martin may have once had fragments of a crashed UFO in its possession. According to The New York Post, Reed told the magazine that, quote, he had never actually seen proof of the remnants, but tried unsuccessfully to get approval from the Pentagon to find them. Quote, I was told for decades that Lockheed had some of these retrieved materials, Reed said, and I tried to get, as I recall, a classified approval by the Pentagon to have me go look at the stuff. They would not approve that. I don't know what all the numbers were, what kind of classification it was, but they would not give that to me, he added. Before leaving office, President Donald Trump signed a COVID-19 relief bill that included a provision demanding the Pentagon release a comprehensive report on its advanced aerospace threat identification program. The ex-Pentagon official who claims to have been in charge of the AAIP program, Luis Lu Elizondo, claims that while he ran the Pentagon UFO office, he discovered evidence not just of higher-level technology, but of bona fide alien encounters, according to Elizondo's own interview with the New York Post. Quote, it was a holy bleep moment, Elizondo said, of discovering evidence of alien visits. Oh my gosh, it's real. Well, crap, now we have to do something about it. Elizondo indicated to the Post that the forthcoming Pentagon report may not contain a full assessment of his findings, though he believes the truth will eventually be revealed. Quote, the level of interest is reaching a critical mass, he said. I think government officials realize that it would be like putting the cat back in the bag or like putting toothpaste back in the tube. Now that the government has acknowledged the reality of unexplained aerial phenomenon, it's going to be real hard to backtrack. Reed said recently that he backs Elizondo. Quote, Mr. Elizondo has spent his career working tirelessly in the shadows of, on sensitive national security matters, including investigating UAPs as the head of ATIP, Reed said in his own statement on the matter. He performed these duties 
admirably. And so another week passes and another drop in the bucket as we head toward that June timeline of that report coming out. And you have to wonder, does Lockheed Martin actually have some alien spacecraft debris in their possession? I mean, of all the contractors with the government that would have something like that, I would think it's Lockheed Martin and Skunk Works, but, well, maybe, uh, maybe something will be revealed in June. And a large, out-of-control Chinese rocket is falling back to Earth and could partially survive re-entry. This from The Guardian. Part of a huge rocket that launched China's first module for its Tianhe space station is falling back to Earth and could make an uncontrolled re-entry at an unknown landing point. The 30-meter-high core of the Long March 5B rocket launched the Heavenly Harmony unmanned core module into low-Earth orbit on the 29th of April from Wenchang in China's Hainan province. The Long March 5B then itself entered a temporary orbit, setting the stage for one of the largest ever uncontrolled re-entries. Some experts fear it could land on an inhabited area. Quote, it's potentially not good, said Jonathan McDowell, astrophysicist at the Astrophysics Center at Harvard University. Last time they launched a Long March 5B rocket, they ended up with big long rods of metal flying through the sky and damaging several buildings in the Ivory Coast, he said. Most of it burned up, but there were these enormous pieces of metal that hit the ground. We're lucky that no one was hurt. On Tuesday, the core was orbiting Earth around every 90 minutes at about 27,000 kilometers per hour and an altitude of more than 300 kilometers. The US military has named it 2021-035B, which I suppose is better than COVID-19, unless you're underneath it when it falls to Earth. Since the weekend it has dropped nearly 80 kilometers in altitude and Space News reported that an amateur ground observation showed it was tumbling and not under control. This and its speed makes it impossible to predict where it will land when Earth's atmosphere eventually drags it down. The McDowell said the most likely outcome is it will fall into the sea as the ocean covers about 71% of the planet. But McDowell says some pieces of the rocket will survive re-entry and that it would be the equivalent of a small plane crash scattered over 100 miles. Since 1990, nothing over 10 tons has been deliberately left in orbit to re-enter uncontrolled. The Long March 5B core stage is thought to be about 21 tons. What's bad is that it's really negligent on China's part. Things more than 10 tons, we don't let them fall out of the sky uncontrolled deliberately, McDowell said. Based on its current orbit, the rocket is passing over Earth as far north as New York, Madrid, and Beijing in as far south as southern Chile and Wellington, New Zealand, and could make its re-entry at any point within this area. Given its velocity, a small change in its path could make a big difference to where it ends up. It's expected to return to Earth on May 10th, plus or minus a day or two. McDowell said once it's clear the day it is returning to Earth, experts could predict its landing time within about a six-hour window. The rocket's launch was part of 11 planned missions as part of the construction of China's space station, which is expected to be completed in late 2022. The T-shaped space station is expected to weigh about 60 tons, considerably smaller than the International Space Station, which launched its first module in 1998 and weighs about 408 tons. China's space station will have a docking port and will also be able to connect with a Chinese satellite. Theoretically, it could be expanded to as many as six modules. So, uh, yeah, over the next few days, you might want to keep your heads low and keep your umbrellas up. Hong Kongers know what I'm talking about. And from the San Francisco gate, the Bay Area's infamous haunted Toys R Us finally gets a new permanent tenant. 
When Sunnyvale's Toys R Us closed in 2018, it didn't just take baby strollers, action figures, and coloring books with it. It ended a chapter in one of the Bay Area's most well-known and enduring ghost stories. But life has come again to the vacant big box store. REI announced this week it will be moving its Mountain View location to the former Toys R Us at 130 East El Camino Real. It's expected to open in the fall. Quote, our store team is incredibly excited about the relocation and eager to get more involved with the Sunnyvale community. The Sunnyvale location will provide more than 1.4 million lifetime REI members in Northern California with the gear and resources to enjoy the outdoors in the South Bay, said Kirk Peterson, REI Regional Director for Northern California, in a statement. The store was originally built in 1970 as part of Toys R Us's expansion to California. Almost immediately, employees reported strange happenings. Toys would fly off shelves, people felt phantom touches, and faucets turned on and off by themselves. It became legendary among paranormal investigators in the late 70s when it played host to several seances by psychic Sylvia Brown. One of the seances was shown on the popular program That's Incredible, launching the store to international fame. In the episode, which features a number of delightfully terrible reenactments, Brown tells the story of the so-called Toys R Us ghost. According to Brown, she was able to make contact with the ghost, a laborer on the farm that once stood on the spot of the new store. She said, as he walked down the hall toward me, he kept saying, have mercy on me, Beth. She also claimed she intuited the ghost's name, Jan Johnny Johnson, and his suitably cinematic backstory. Johnson, a traveling preacher from Sweden, sometimes worked on the Murphy farm in exchange for room and board. While working there in the 1880s, he fell in love with the Murphy's daughter, Elizabeth. But his love was unrequited. Elizabeth ran away with a lawyer from the East Coast, leaving Johnny brokenhearted. One day, while chopping wood, Johnny's axe slipped, gouging him deep in the leg. He slowly bled to death, and his unsettled ghost has roamed the property ever since. The story is now part of canonical ghost lore, but a look back at primary sources reveals scant evidence for any of it. For starters, the dates are all wrong. Elizabeth had been dead for years by the time the story takes place. She died at the age of 30 in 1875. She also didn't run away with an East Coast lawyer. She was married in grand fashion to William Toff, the son of a wealthy dry goods merchant from San Francisco in 1863. The society event joined two of the young state's most prominent families. A look through California census data from 1860 to 1890 turns up a number of farm laborers born in Sweden who were living in the Sunnyvale area, but none meet the right specs for Brown's Jan Johnson. Similarly, searches through California newspapers find no account of a grisly axe death on the Murphy property, despite many internet retellings of the tale claiming old news clippings mentioning Johnson. Finally, there's that pesky Beth detail. According to family records and obituaries, Elizabeth went by Lizzie, not Beth. Jan Johnson aside, the Murphys were one of early California's most fascinating families and the subject of enough drama without invented ghost stories. Martin and Mary Murphy, a married couple from Ireland, were in the first wagon train to cross the Sierra Nevadas, blazing the trail that would soon be known as Donner Pass. During the winter of 1844, Mary gave birth to Elizabeth, who was famous throughout her life as the first pioneer child born in California. Several weeks later, baby Lizzie fell into the Yuba River. Luckily, her father was able to fish her out. Forever after, her middle name was Yuba. Once settled in the Bay Area, Murphy bought the Spanish land grant known as Rancho Pastoria de las Borregas in present-day Sunnyvale. There, they built the area's first wood frame house, Bayview Ranch, and planted the first orchards. 
Before long, the Murphys were rich and influential, hosting political and social events at their ranch and helping establish both Notre Dame College in San Jose and the University of Santa Clara. When Elizabeth married, the Murphys gifted her and her new husband, William Toffe, 3,000 acres, today all of Los Altos Hills, as a wedding present. Elizabeth Way and Toffe Avenue in Sunnyvale and Elizabeth Avenue in Los Altos are named after them. In 1881, the Murphys famously held their 50th wedding anniversary gala on the ranch. 6,000 guests allegedly showed up, making it the largest party in California history up until that point. The San Francisco Call said that they were feted in truly regal style. Those who still believe in the haunting of the Sunnyvale Toys R Us have no shortage of ghostly candidates. Marion Martin's eldest son, James, died of consumption in the house in 1851. Elizabeth died young too, as did her husband, who passed away in 1869. Then there's the strange case of Fred Hoffman, the brother-in-law of Elizabeth and William's son, Martin. Hoffman died on the property in 1894 when he was working on a pump in the farm well. Unfortunately for Hoffman, the well was next to a leaking gas tank. After he failed to show up for dinner, he was found dead at the bottom of the well, asphyxiated from gas fumes. When Martin went down to retrieve the body, he unwisely lit a candle to guide his way. The call reported he was blown out of the well by the explosion, and Martin was badly burned, but he survived. Well, after Sunnyvale Toys R Us shuttered, the building went back into action occasionally, and it was the most fitting reincarnation possible. During the fall, it was sometimes home to a spirit Halloween store. But just because it isn't a Toys R Us anymore, that doesn't mean the ghosts in the aisles will disappear. Most ghost hunters believe apparitions are tied to the soil, not the structure. So REI may get an unexpected tenant in the deal. There's also a belief that construction can stir up ghostly activity, so perhaps REI employees should keep an eye out. The Toys R Us ghost, or publicity stunt depending on how you view it, may be ready to make headlines again. And finally this week from Nature, NASA saw something come out of a black hole for the first time ever. You don't have to know a whole lot about science to know that black holes normally suck things in, not spew things out. But NASA detected something mighty bizarre at the supermassive black hole Markarian 335. Two of NASA's space telescopes, including the Nuclear Spectroscopic Telescope Array, otherwise known as New Star, amazingly observed a black hole's corona launched away from the supermassive black hole. Then an enormous pulse of X-ray energy spewed out. This kind of phenomena has never been observed before. Quote, this is the first time we have been able to link the launching of the corona to a flare. This will help us comprehend how supermassive black holes power some of the brightest objects in the cosmos, Dan Wilkins of St. Mary's University said. This is one of the most important discoveries so far. New Star's principal investigator, Fiona Harrison, noted that the nature of the energetic source was enigmatic, but added that the capability to, in fact, record the event should have provided some clues about the black hole's size and structure, along with, hopefully, some fresh info on how the black hole works. Fortunately for us, this black hole is still 324 million light years away. So no matter what bizarre things it was doing, it shouldn't have an effect on our corner of the cosmos. While we like to think we have a fairly good understanding of space, much of what we count as knowledge is just theory, which is yet to be disproved. So it looks like some textbooks will need to be rewritten. And while this particular supermassive black hole is 324 million light years away, I'm not taking any chances. 
Well, that's it. That's all I've got for this week. Don't forget to reach out if you see something unusual in the sky or someplace else, or if you have an interesting story to tell. You can call our hotline at 818-570-0126 or find us at www.theparachronicle.com. Please like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our little show here. And until next time, keep your eyes to the sky and know that here on Earth and in the universe... We are not alone. For the Parachronicle Almanac, I'm Jonathan Hawke.